You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I know I'm hidden in back sometimes. Um, I'm Dan Souza, and Pastor Dan asked me to preach this morning um, before anything came up with him and his family getting sick. Um, so it's an honor to be up here. Um, and today I want to talk about prayer. Um, we know the power of prayer. We love to pray for people. Um, and one of the most powerful things that I have found is to pray scripture over people. Um, I love to declare the promises of scripture over people, whether it's declaring the protection of God's peace over hearts and minds in Jesus' name, um, declaring that they will be strengthened as they wait on the Lord. Um, But today, rather than looking at the promises that we can speak over people, I want to look at Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 3. Um, So if you guys can put the um, PowerPoint up. Um, So we can learn a lot by looking at how the apostles in Christ prayed in Scripture. So today, we're going to look at how the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. Um, So we'll start by reading the prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, we're going to go through this slowly and look at it piece by piece. Um, So Paul started out saying, for this reason, and we'll get to that reason in a little bit, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So we see here Paul expressing that he bows his knees before the Father. Um, A little ways back, we did a study on the book done by Chris Tomlin and Darren Whitehead, The Seven Words for Worship. One of the words for worship talks about bowing your knees in worship. And bowing your knees is a physical representation of our submission to God's lordship over us. It goes beyond just saying Lord or King. It is physically getting down and putting yourself in a position of submission to his authority. And this is something that we today don't really do much. Um, But I would encourage you sometime, if, if you are physically capable, make the effort 
to put yourself into a position, physically put yourself into a position acknowledging his authority. Acknowledging that it's not my will, it's not God blessing my will, but that I will do what you want me to do. And he goes on to say, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, this phrase confounded me for a while. Why did Paul put in there that the Father is the one from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name? I just couldn't wrap my head around it. But as I was studying and thinking about like my own life experience, some of you know I'm one of six boys. Um, in fact, when Sherry and Dick Benoit first came to the church, the first thing Sherry asked me was, which of the Suzes are you? Um, going through high school, I've got two older brothers, and depending on which brother a teacher had before I went into their class, they already had an assumption about who I would be. Um, your family name, your family is where you get a good chunk of your identity. I can go into a plethora of churches in the area, and because my parents and my brothers are active in churches, I will have people walking up to me and knowing who I am, even if I've never met them. Um, we actually had a couple of guests here at one point that I went up and I talked to afterwards, and one turned to the other and said, this is Dan. You know his mom. She's the one that makes the scones for the women's conference. So we get our identity from our family name. So this here is saying that we're bowing, he's bowing his knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That means that every person, every family in heaven and on earth derives its identity from the Heavenly Father. And that every family means that it's not just if you've put your faith in Christ. We were made in God's image. Whether you've accepted Christ as your Savior or not, you were made in God's image. You derive identity from Him, whether you accept that identity or not. He goes on to say that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. I love the book of Ephesians, um, and because I've studied it a lot, when I see the riches of his glory here, it stands out. Um, Paul talks a lot about the riches that we receive from Christ or the things that are according to the riches, but every other instance is the riches of his grace. We are saved according to the riches of his grace. We are forgiven according to the riches of his grace. But here, he's praying that he would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man according to the riches of his glory. When we look, so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18 to set the stage for that a little bit. It's talking about Moses and the Israelites 
when Moses went up on the mountain and communed with God, when he spent time in God's presence, and he came down, the Israelites would beg for him to cover his face because from being in God's presence, the glory of God was shining forth from his face. So he put a veil over his face for two reasons. First was because they were scared from the glory of God from his face. And second was to hide the fact that that glory faded as he spent time away from God's presence. So now we come to 2 Corinthians 3. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So when Jesus died on the cross, the veil to the inner sanctuary in the temple was torn. When we turn to the Lord and we accept his forgiveness, the, we don't need a veil. One of the reasons that Moses had that veil was to hide that the glory was fading when he spent time away from the presence of God. But now we have the Spirit in us. We are constantly in God's presence. And we should be showing the glory of the Lord. And not just showing the glory of the Lord, but we are being transformed into the same image. As the Spirit is in us, we are transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So the glory that we show grows as we are transformed to become more and more like Christ. So according to the riches of God's glory, we are strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. As his spirit within us strengthens us and transforms us more and more into the image of Christ, we are bathed in that glory and we are strengthened in that glory. And we'll, we see later in the prayer that that glory is not our glory, but it is to bring glory to God. So he continues on to say, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now this one also took me aback. So we talk about when we come to Christ, that Christ dwells in our hearts, and that's a beautiful thing. But we don't tend to look at it after there. We, we say that he moves in when we come to faith, and that's that. He lives there. But Paul is praying this prayer for the established church, that they would be strengthened through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. It's not a one-time thing that happened and he's there but it is a continual being strengthened so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Um, guys, if you select the um, PowerPoint slideshow at the bottom, and then you can just hit the next arrow or the space bar. Um, so in Romans 3, it talks about, and I actually need to get that up there, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly uh, of himself than he ought to think, 
but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And it goes on to talk about um, different gifts that we receive and acting in those gifts according to the faith that has been given to you. So, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So, we looked at how we are being transformed more and more into the image of Christ through his glory. But as we do that, also, we, as we're transformed into his image, that allotment of faith that God has given us also increases the areas that God has us move in increase and grow. Um, so it's, it's telling that in Romans it talks about the gifts in accordance to the measure of faith and that God has allotted to each a measure of faith. In 1 Corinthians, the teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, it says eagerly desire the greater gifts. So bringing these all together... As we grow, as we become more like Christ, as the faith that God has allotted to us grows, we also grow in the giftings that he has given us. I can tell you, when I was growing up, even 10 years ago, I never thought I would ever be teaching. Not in front of a group of people. Art's agreeing here. (laughs) I actually told the pastor once, and some of you have heard this before, um, that you might see me teach in a small group setting, but you will never see me preach in front of a church. God's got a great sense of humor. Um, and God increased my faith to the point where I'm here now. So as we're strengthened through the spirit in the inner man, not only is the glory that shines forth from us growing, but so is our faith and the acts that we walk out in it as we become more and more like Christ. Now, up to this point, it's a very individual prayer. Um, And he continues on saying, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length in height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. And I love that conundrum there, to know the love that surpasses knowledge. Um, but we'll start from the beginning. So being rooted and grounded in love. This is crucial. Um, it starts with each of us being rooted and grounded in love so that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Paul included this because the comprehending with all the saints is not that all of us experience the love of Christ on our own, but rather it is through the love of each other as we are all rooted and grounded in love, as we all show love to one another, it is through that love of each other that we comprehend the love of Christ. And this knowing the love of Christ, that word to know, is talking about an experiential knowing. It is that 
we may experience the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. For me, this really hit home, this corporate experiencing the love through the love of others. Um, years ago, um, right, right after I got divorced, um, I went into a very deep depression for two years. Um, I was away from the church during that time. I still believed, but I was not active in the church. And it came to a point where I started seeking out a church again. And the first couple churches I went to were not a good fit. I went to one for a couple months, and in over a month's worth of time, two people in the entire congregation came up and greeted me. And one of them was just to get me to the men's ministry table. But then I walked into Tabernacle of Faith Church in New London, Connecticut. I did not know anyone there. Um, I was the white guy walking into a Puerto Rican church with a three-year-old. Nobody knew me. But every single person that day came up to me warmly greeted me, shook my hand, gave me a hug, kissed me on the cheek. I, that day, experienced the love of Christ. And it was that love that allowed me to come out of that depression. It was that love that allowed my heart to heal. It is not enough for us just to experience love from Christ we need to experience the love of the body. And more so, experiencing the love of Christ doesn't stop there. To truly experience the love of Christ, it's not just receiving the love of Christ. That is important. But it's also sharing the love of Christ. It is loving others. We cannot truly experience the love of Christ unless we are both receiving it and giving it. Now, in the church, we tend to focus a lot on giving the love, on loving others. But it's crucial to note that when we look at the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We tend to focus on love the Lord your God and love your neighbor, and we skip over the love yourself. And we get to the point where we are so focused on loving other people that we forget how to receive love. We forget how to give love to ourselves. Um, and I'm not saying that you should put yourself above everything and above everyone. Um, but for many people in the church, I have found that it is hard for them to receive love. And I'm right there among them. Um, it took me being at the lowest place in my life for me to truly be able to receive and experience the love of the body and, in turn, the love of Christ. And that shouldn't be the case. We need, we need to receive love. But we can't let it stop there. We also need to give love. And I love what... Um, Art was saying as he was reading from Romans, 
talking about the breadth, length, height, and depth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And here we have that we are able to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So we are experiencing this love which cannot be put into words. Um, Even that image of nothing, no height, no depth, no angel, no principality, no power, uh, life, death, and if that's not enough, not even any other created thing can separate us from this love. How great is the breadth and length and height and depth if nothing created in this world, including ourselves, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? And here, as we love one another, as we receive love from one another, as we give love to one another, and as we give love outside of the church to to the hurting and the lost in this world, as we reach them with the love of Christ, we get to experience this love and know this love which surpasses knowledge and understanding. that we may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, again, with having studied Ephesians, this being filled up to all the fullness of God comes up a couple of times. So we see it in Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1. At the end of the prayer, he talks about Christ being an authority over everything um, and that we are the fullness of Christ in this world. Here in Ephesians 3, it talks about experiencing this love of God which surpasses knowledge that we may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And then in Ephesians 4, it talks about um, the church growing in unity until we are filled to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. So we see this repeated, that we may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, I mentioned before that the beginning of the prayer was very individual. But then we got to this love that's talking about this corporate love and the body of Christ and experiencing the love with one another that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Here it is important to note that this prayer is for the church as a whole. It's not... and. This is for the entire church in Ephesus. It's not for the Baptist church in Ephesus. It's not for the AG church in Ephesus. It is for the entire body of Christ in Ephesus that as the entirety of the believers in the area come together in love, that they, as the body, are filled up to all the fullness of God. This is not an individual that Dan is filled up to all the fullness of God or Art is filled up to all the fullness of God or Sherry is filled up to all the fullness of God, but that we as a body are filled up to all the fullness of God. And repeatedly throughout Scripture, we see this image of the body of Christ. And every time we see it, we see the explanation that each of us fills a part, and that as the parts come together to form the body, the body works properly, and the body works healthily. But an eye cannot do the work of a hand. A hand cannot do the work of a foot. 
Um, each part has its role to play, and as we come together, and as we come together being rooted and grounded in Christ's love, we are filled up to all the fullness of God. We are the representation of God in this world. When we go to work, we are how people, how the people we interact with, our coworkers, our employers, our customers, we are how they see God through how we act and love. And as each of us walks in the love of God, we are able to show God to this world. And then Paul comes around to start to conclude this prayer. And he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Some translations say all that we ask or imagine. Think about that for a minute. I've got a pretty active imagination. I can imagine a lot. But God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that I can imagine, all that I can think of, all that I can ask. When we're talking about prayer, we often say that we need to have faith for what we pray in, pray for, and that it will that God will bring it about. But when we look at this, that statement is limiting God. He is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine, according to the power, the spirit that works within us. I don't want to limit God to what I have faith for. I want to see God working through me things that are way beyond all that I can imagine. I want to see his power working through you way more than any of us could imagine. This brings to mind Jesus' statement that we will do all the things that he did and more. You think about what Jesus did. He healed the sick. Everywhere he went, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He forgave sins. He did miracles. He walked on water. He turned water to wine. Um, Everywhere he went, the power of God was evident through him, and he changed lives. And as we are filled up to all the fullness of God, we have the promise that we will do more than he did. I believe it's John at the end of his gospel, it's either John or Luke, says this is just a telling of essentially the highlights, I'm paraphrasing, but that if everything Jesus did was written down, it would take up more than all the books in the world. And we will do, as his church, more than that. And through the power that works within us, The Spirit will do through us more than we can ask or imagine. Now, that is the faith I want to have. I want to walk out these doors and have God do things that just blow my mind. 
And it's not for the experience of seeing what God does. It's all to bring him glory. Scott, can you come up? Um, So the conclusion of Paul's prayer is that to him, he who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask imagine, to God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. As we grow in his glory, as we walk out his love and we are filled up to all the fullness of God, as we are transformed into the image of Jesus in the faith that walks out the gifts and in the glory that shines forth from our lives, it is all to point back to God the Father. We, through the Spirit, point to Christ, and Christ points to the Father. So everything we do should be to the glory of the Father. And it doesn't end with us. It didn't end with the apostles' generation. But God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine through the power that works within us to bring himself glory to all generations forever and ever. So as I wrap up this morning, I want to take the opportunity to pray this prayer over us, to pray the prayer for this church, for those who are in this room, and for those who are watching online. So I ask that you will join me in prayer. For this reason, Lord, I bow my knees before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that you may grant us, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with power through your spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and that, being rooted and grounded in love, we may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know your love, Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled up to all the fullness of you, Now to you, Lord, who can do exceedingly abundantly all beyond all that we ask or think or imagine, according to the power that works within us, to you be the glory in the church, in each one of us, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.